3: Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is a CBC Podcast.
2: Hi there. I'm Maddie Kelly. I'm a comedian, and all I've ever wanted to do is write a rom-com. Together with my co-hosts, Ryan Beal and Mark Chavez, we teamed up in our writer's room to do things my way and see if three comedians could write a winning romantic comedy screenplay in our new podcast, Let's Make a Rom-Com. We explore what makes a romantic comedy a romantic comedy, the cultural impact of rom-coms, and whether three people with very different lived experiences can write a fresh contemporary and funny love story. Now, here's the first episode of Let's Make a Rom-Com.
4: Okay, are we reading this rom-com?
1: Let's read this rom-com. And we're oh my god!
4: What character do oh, I get
1: to Look at that, look what he's got there. I mean, this
2: got is it. Let's Make a Rom-Com, a podcast where three comedians try to write a romantic comedy script having no previous experience doing such a thing. But I have a confession. Sorry to cheat on the premise. We've never, you know, we're three comedians, something we've never done. Guess what, I've already done it, and what? you're about to read it, it's amazing.
1: You probably nailed it.
2: I have written a rom-com. Well, this called Untitled Rom-Com. Quite hard to find on a computer. And it's bad. I was probably 15, I think. This wasn't the first thing I'd ever finished, but close to it. I wanted to read it with my co-writers, Mark and Ryan, so we will never repeat the mistakes of the past. Mark, you will be playing Will, and Ryan, you'll be playing Maisie, and I will do the stage directions. Fantastic. Interior, living room, night. Teenage guy and girl sit on couch watching movie. Maisie, 17. Pretty girl next door, wearing an oversized sweater and leggings with leg warmers. And Will. Also 17, typical high school guy, wearing an ironic T-shirt. She's eating stovetop stuffing. He has his arm around her. She snuggled in. This is so long. She snuggled into him. They're lit by the flickering movie screen. He leans over and playfully bites her neck, and she does a (laughs) rom-com laugh scream. Ah! (laughs) Smash cut to credits. That's all we need to know about that. Oh, it is so bad. Why is it stovetop stuffing?
4: Why is it a smash cut? I love
2: it. And it gets worse. Interior living room day. The couple sit on opposite sides of the couch with their feet touching, legs in the air.
4: Why does that relationship have to be so easy? God. We might have to go to a homeless shelter or something to get you, to get you
2: some perspective.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so cute.
2: Their cheesy montages. Montage begins. <laughs> Cue music. Maisie and Will baking cookies and smearing each other with batter. Oh, that <laughs> And the whole thing concludes with a big speech.
4: I love that you get cold when it's 72 degrees out, and I'm just a boy. So.
2: And a nod to the final shot of The Breakfast Club. Maisie's on wheels back, and they still they sing Don't You Forget About Me really loudly and off-key fade out.
1: <laughs> That's beautiful. Oh, thank you wow. for sharing that. That was really great. I like
2: yes, concept. this is bad. But I was 15. I was young. I didn't know any better. But now I do. I think. Over the next eight episodes... You are going to be a fly on the wall as Mark, Ryan, and I go from a blank slate...
4: Okay, so
1: what are we doing?
2: ...to a romantic comedy movie script. This
1: is all gold.
2: You'll hear us as we invent characters.
1: What if she was, like, embarrassingly good at close-up magic?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Make them fall in love. This scene takes place before they've ever had sex. Right. Make them fall out of love. We're supposed to be having fun. You love sauerkraut. Ironically! I love sauerkraut, ironically! And decide whether or not they should stay together.
4: And they kiss on set, and the director's like, you're both fired, no PDA.
2: (laughs) And to ensure we don't verge into the territory of untitled rom-com, we're going to consult some of the biggest names in the genre.
0: I'm Kiwi Smith. I'm screenwriter of Ten Things I Hate About You. My name is El Parker. I
1: wrote the best exotic Margot Hotel movies, Legally Blonde.
0: <gasps> you got
1: mail. She's the man. I've done actually rom com in Vancouver. Always be my
4: maybe. I worked on Sex and City. And I said he's just not that indie, and the rest is history. And of course, Deadpool right was filmed here. Yes, another famous rom com.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Can three comedians come up with a fresh love story and make it funny? Let's find out. It's Let's Make a Rom-Com. Okay, so who am I? Well, if you're new here, I'm Maddie Kelly, a stand-up comedian and writer from Vancouver, B.C. Last year, me and my comedy writing partner set out to write a legit science fiction script. And we did it. And it's actually pretty good.
3: A man and woman, completely nude, kiss passionately in the darkness.
2: Okay, that part wasn't so good. As with last season, our writing team is made up of me and my very funny friends, Ryan.
1: I'm Ryan Bio, actor and comedian
4: and writer. And Mark. Hi, I'm Mark Chavez. I'm 5'9". These are my hands. (laughs) I'm an actor. I'm a comedian. I'm a creator. I am annoying.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why did we choose romantic comedy? Good question. After all, it's kind of the opposite of sci-fi. It takes place on Earth with human beings, and it doesn't take itself too seriously. The fate of the planet isn't usually at stake in a rom-com. The only thing that's at stake is love. And I love rom-coms. A lot. Ever since I was a kid, I've wanted to write my own. From as early as I could remember, they've been my favorite movies. Seriously, in our little writer's room, I'm a bit of an encyclopedia.
4: Maddie's 100% the de facto expert yeah. on coms. I don't think that's even... That's not a question. Not a question. That's a statement.
1: As for my co-writers... I've watched a lot of them. They've influenced how I feel about love and romance and courtship and stuff like that more than I, you know, and probably led to some problematic tendencies, too, as far as, like, how I... or ideals... Um. Yeah, normal level of being influenced by them, but don't know a ton about them, like, deep down. Yeah, I think maybe, like, maybe I feel a little bit, like, above it. Like,
4: oh, yeah, rom-coms? Yeah, not for me. I'm smart, but, like, that's dumb. And, like, I don't honestly think that.
2: You're like, I want to make one, but I want to be smart and good.
4: Yeah, like, I want to make a good one. But, like, (laughs) if I'd be lucky if I could make an okay one. (laughs) like A one. A one, Yeah, yeah. one. (laughs) yeah.
2: Which ones do you guys like?
4: Um, well, I'll start at the top, When Harry Met Sally.
1: I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible.
4: Um, I really like that one. My wife asks me to watch it every once in a while during the holidays. Please, just, Mark, please watch please, it. Please. And then she leaves.
1: <laughs> uh, she sets me in front of the TV. It's not very long. So. I came to realize I really liked um, The American President.
2: Mr. President, I'm... I um, don't know what to say. I am speechless.
3: All evidence to the contrary.
2: Oh, I like the American president. I like president. the American president. With an Bening. Yeah. I do
1: about it. And Michael Douglas.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, it's about the pr- a single president <laughs> falling in love with some kind of acti- an activist.
2: I don't remember what she is. She's does. a
1: politico of sorts. Mm. But, but it's like...
2: How do you balance being a president? P-
1: yeah. It's, busy. <laughs> it's a busy uh, yeah, job. that's the thing about It's very busy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like that one. And then I, this is another one. Is it a rom- I, I really love So We Married an Axe Murder, but that becomes oh, more calm, but No, that's rom, totally a rom It's a rom-com. It was Mike yeah. Myers' rom-com.
2: By the way, are you tired of hearing the words rom-com? Well, strap yourself in, bucko. And so now I want to make a rom-com for real. I want to prove that I can do better than the rom-com I wrote in high school. But I don't think it's going to be easy. Talking about romance is hard. Writing about it without it sounding cheesy is harder.
4: There's a really fine line between like cringy, cringy stuff and like authentically.
1: Like, mm-hmm. We've got to like, bear parts of our soul that yeah. we were never born to each other and, re- and record it.
2: And then there's the comedy part. We're all professional comedians, but just because we're used to writing jokes doesn't mean I think it'll be easy. Ryan, on the other hand.
1: I think we're going to do better. I think we're going to do so well. I think it's going to be a slam dunk. I think we're going to sell it. I think it's going to get made.
2: So... Here's how it's going to go in the first episode. We all came up with a bunch of ideas, and we're going to pitch each other and pick the one we're going to write.
4: Go ahead, Ryan. Okay, I I got one.
2: Ryan kicked things off with a pitch about an old romance that gets unexpectedly rekindled.
1: This is about a man named Raffi Kending, and the only exciting thing he ever did in his life was go to Europe between college, uh, high school and college. And he had like this three weeks in Europe and he met a German woman named Mikesh. And she was 10 years older than him and they had this love affair with a shelf life and it was very exciting and very fun and very like just, you know, but they knew it ended when he left and he left and they never saw each other again for 20 years. 20 years later, he's a frustrated librarian going through a divorce, okay? And he hates his job at the library because no one is using it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> well i love yeah, it everyone's, using, everyone's yeah. using the internet yeah, to, to print like, things it's, off. It's not. all it does yeah. is like he's not he's like his. one of his studies even considered and then suddenly one day mikesh shows up on his doorstep but she needs to be hidden because for the past 20 years she's become a high-ranking spy <laughs> and now interpol is after her woo, woo. and he's like what and so not only he has to like believe her and hide her and do spy stuff, and he's a very boring man, um, but also they rekindle, they talk about the, the, the love affair they had. Uh, I don't have a title for it. You got a spy title? Um, the Spy Who Shagged Me. That's uh. great.
2: <laughs> and then I had a pitch that touched on a subject that's either going to be really hot or something to avoid. Guess what, folks? You got a pandemic pitch coming at you. There we go.
1: All right.
2: March 2020. COVID hits. The world locks down. And Grace moves to her hometown to live with her parents. Guess who's also home? She's in the grocery store. Mask. Goggles. Gloves. Tom? It's her high school boyfriend. Suddenly we're thrown into a world where her and her high school boyfriend are both living with their parents. Again. Again. And having to ask permission to go on little walks, right? Mm-hmm. Six feet apart. <laughs> the mom's going, you're not allowed to go out with him. He's going to give us COVID. He's, I heard he's on Tinder. Yeah. Right? Right. And he cheated on you in high school. Um. And he's going to do it again. He's going to kill us all.
1: And he's going to kill this us This is too. how
2: you... She's like, I'm not touching him, mom. It's fine. We're six feet apart, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it just takes place over... And then the question in the end is... Is this real or is this just the end of the world pandemic Correct. boredom? Yeah, right. Or also just like the fun of like, I literally was by myself. I was like pioneer girl. Mm-hmm. I was like growing tomatoes and like I was doing things that took so long to have yeah. some sense of satisfaction. Yes. Like we yeah. said everyone was doing it differently and everyone said Maddie's gone full homestead.
3: <laughs> right.
2: Mark had a pitch that was sort of an 80s or 90s period piece.
4: Okay, so when I was little... In the '80s and the '90s, there was literally a 900 number you could call to talk to Santa Claus. Um, it charged you. Yes, it was oh, a night and it was advertised on television. So Rachel learns that her troubled son, Ad- troubled son Adam, has spent hundreds of dollars calling a Santa Claus hotline. So she angrily calls the line and gets our guy Robert. Who is said, yes, I've been talking to Adam. He's been calling. He seems very troubled. Uh, he just tells me what he wants for Christmas, and I feel like I have a friendly ear. And she threatens lawsuits, she gets mad. He then hearing this uh uh the you know the trouble, he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come over and I'm gonna make it better. So they somehow unite and he comes unconvincingly dressed as Santa Claus, to okay. you know, to mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. endearing. In in seeing this, in this journey, we see that he, his heart is in the right place, even though his business model mm-hmm. might not reflect ah, that. Okay. Um, and she, the mother, also sees that she
1: can trust people. Mm. Does it take place in the 80s? Yes. So Sorry, I should have said yeah. that. No, when, no, no, I think you 100%, did. 100% it takes it. place in the late 80s. When 900 80s. numbers were Yeah, when it was a thing. prevalent and yeah. Fun. yeah.
4: And I called that number when I was little. And the guy literally it sounded like a tired old man. He went, ho, 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 this is Santa. <laughs> That's how we answered. And I hung up immediately because <laughs> I, I knew it was going Oh, yeah. Aww, so cute. Ho, ho, ho. This is Santa.
2: On top of trying to find an idea we all like, we also want to pick an idea that could actually get made. Like, wouldn't it be cool if we could go from this little podcast to an actual, fully produced major motion picture? And who knows better than what Hollywood is looking for than a real Hollywood agent?
1: I don't know what's real.
0: I'm Addison Duffy. I uh, am an agent at UTA, and I've been here for going on nine years or so.
2: UTA is United Talent Agency, one of the top entertainment agencies in Hollywood. Addison primarily works in adaptations, trying to get books, podcasts, and articles turned into movies and TV shows. The amount of material that I am
0: consuming is a lot.
2: We wanted to ask them, is now the right time to be writing a rom-com?
0: I don't think I've ever uh, sold so many rom-coms as I have in the last, let's say, how long has the pandemic been? Um, I think everyone turned to love, lighthearted things, comedy in the last few years, because mm-hmm. that's what we all needed to yeah. to escape. Um, mm-hmm. So it has been rom-com season uh, and then some for the last few years. So, okay, we love to hear that. Yeah, you guys, you guys picked the right, the right time. So that helps a lot. And we're going to come back to
2: Addison for a bit of direction on how to choose the right concept. But for now, we need more ideas. And when we resumed pitching each other, let's just say we were in a little bit of a silly mood. This one's called Gone
4: Fishing. Two catfishers fish each other, but before either realizes they've been had, they've emptied each other's bank accounts, proposed marriage, and vanished. Then, unbeknownst to them, they both hire the same scam artist private detective to find each other, but who instead seduces the both of them and empties their bank accounts to teach them a lesson. It's a love Bermuda triangle. As the three get lost in their own webs of lies, deceit, and true love, it's gone
1: fishing. I love that they so much mention of emptying bank (laughs) accounts.
2: (laughs) Okay, this this one's Paris, and what happens if you fall in love in Paris? (laughs) (laughs) Must be good. Most romantic city in the world. Must be good.
1: I mean, that's it. Yeah, that's That's good. I gotta say, that's kind of top of my list. Yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) I love falling in love in Paris.
2: Okay, Mark.
4: Okay, this one's called Oopsie Daisy. Daisy Bailey is a fun-loving, free-thinking, whimsical young woman. But boy, is she as clumsy as they get. No matter where she goes, she sort of trip, slip, and sometimes flip. She's a KLUTZ klutz. Then one day, she meets K-L-U-T-Z. J. Robert Oopsie Oppenheimer.
1: Okay.
2: okay. <laughs> okay. This one, Lady G- dates a guy. The kids don't like her. So yep. she pranks them. A lot. Sort Prank. of a reverse parent trap. Frank <laughs> mom. Frank mom. <laughs> when we finally settled down, Ryan pitched an idea about a very serious journalist.
1: Matthew, okay, he's a, like a hard-nosed journalist who's been the chief correspondent at a foreign office for a major newspaper for many years. Journalism is changing. So, like, that office gets closed. His newspaper is bought up by a major media conglomerate. Office is closed. He comes home, and now he's writing fluff pieces, doing freelance. Like, he doesn't know if he has a place in the changing journalistic landscape. That's kind of his vibe. He's um, He takes himself very seriously. Uh, then there's um, Mitzi. She's a bar owner, and so they're both in New York. And she runs kind of a nerd-themed pub, where you can play board games, but also gentrification is coming in, and she, like she, she might lose the bar. Like no one wants to hang out like they used to. Condos are encroaching. Uh, anyway, so they have a meet cute where Matthew goes on a blind date with someone else at Mitzi's bar, and he sends his Manhattan back three times because it's not right. And mm-hmm. she's like, "What the fuck are you up to?" And that's like the end of their, the end of their interaction. Until. The 22-year-old editor, like the Vice News-style editor of Matthew's newspaper now is like, I want to embed you. There's this big LARPing competition in upstate New York called Dragonroth. And he's sending Matthew up there to, like, embed himself like a war correspondent Mm. in this LARPing competition. Did you just... just Explain what LARPing is. LARPing is is live action role playing. So the nerdiest thing you could possibly do. People like pretending to be elves and wizards. Mm -hmm. And Matthew's like, oh my fucking God, what has become of my life? But guess who he sees there? Mitzi. Mitzi runs a crew in this LARPing competition. And like through their time together in upstate New York, he discovers that he doesn't have to take himself so seriously. And it's okay to like something for the sake of liking (gasps) something. Love that. Suddenly they're in this adventure that means nothing they have to, like, make it meaningful and they fall in love.
2: It's funny to me that she is facing gentrification in this store. The board game, I mean, I've, come on. First thing, I, my well, God. No, some
1: board uh. game place is close. It did happen here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does sound like she's gentrified. The frozen yeah. yogurt place is at risk of being yeah. gentrified. <laughs> Very good
2: point. All the ideas we've pitched so far are making us laugh, but something feels off. None of them feel like the idea for our rom-com. All of this sort of just made me start thinking, like, what even is a
3: rom-com? The basis of any romantic comedy is that the question that the story asks is, will these two people become a couple? If you can remove that question, if that's not really the most pressing question for the movie, then you're not writing a romantic comedy.
2: Billy Murnett wrote the book on romantic comedy. Literally, his book, Writing the Romantic Comedy, is a time-tested reference for writers and offers tips and exercises to create characters and scenes that jump off the page. Billy also teaches writing at UCLA and works as a script consultant for Universal Pictures. Could you break down the general formula for a rom-com?
3: Yes. There are basically seven or eight basic beats. They are...
0: Number one.
3: The setup. Sometimes you meet one character first. Sometimes you meet both of them. But what's important is there's always a sense of there's something wrong with their picture. Because you're writing a movie where love is going to solve their problem. Two. A meet-cute. A meet-cute is an inventive but credible means of these two characters meeting. Three. A turning point. He's met her, she's met her, but now there's actually stakes established. We want to see what's going to happen. Four. A midpoint, a hook. In a lot of romantic comedies, the midpoint hook is where they actually have sex. There's no turning back. Five. A swivel, which is the second act break. That's where Jeopardy comes in. You want, you know, some kind of an issue raised. Six. A dark moment. Crisis. Crisis meaning it should really raise the doubt for the audience. Like, oh, maybe this is going to be a romantic comedy where they don't end up together. Seven. Climax. Climax is what unfortunately has become the run to the airport in too many bad romantic comedies. Eight. And then a resolution, which I call a joyful defeat, meaning you've <laughs> done the crime. You've done the crime. You'll have to do the time. now. <laughs> <laughs> These days, the most important sort of subtext question is, you know, can you make it fresh? You know you have to, the, people are so sick to death of the romantic comedy form, mm. uh, but part of the challenge for anybody doing it right now, including your guys, is you know how do you do it in a way that people won 't go seen it, been there, done that? You have to find a way to hit those beats with some level of truth and honesty and make it hopefully imaginative, you know, and bring something to it where we go, oh my God, I've never seen that before, but I totally believe it. You know, Mm. that's, that's what makes the difference.
2: Billy knows his stuff, and I think he isolated what may not have been working about our earlier ideas. They were funny, but none of them were hitting on something truthful, while also making us say,
3: oh my God, I've never seen that before, but I totally believe it.
2: But before we totally ax these pitches, we wanted to get Addison's take on them. I mean, maybe pandemic stories are really hot. Christmas movies, yay or nay?
0: Oh, I love Christmas. I'm <laughs> such a bad, per- bad person to ask. But yes, uh, by the way, I'll take my own personal absolute infatuation with Christmas aside. Uh, 1,000%. Christmas, okay. yes.
2: period pieces. Eh. Okay. No. This is helpful. This is good. Like, specifically Gen Z stories. Yes,
0: female-led rom com. Every time, male-led rom com. Yes, you can. A female-led rom com is gonna be the direction to go in.
2: Um, LGBTQ plus.
0: Yes, stories. a thousand percent. I would say as long as those are coming from an authentic perspective. What about supernatural? Yeah, because by the way, I haven't really seen that. So do it.
1: Do you have you seen? Like pandemic-specific rom-com pitches at all?
0: I ha- I have seen them. Um, were they things we got excited about? Not necessarily. Yeah. So let's. <laughs> yeah, I would say stay away from the pandemic. Uh, the pandemic vibe—that's
2: bad news for our pandemic pitch and our many male-driven pitches. As for doing LGBTQ stories, well, okay. This is something you're not really supposed to do at work, but. Could you guys self-identify your sexual preferences?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love
2: I mean, I
4: see where this is going. I think you know, but I'm straight, for the record. I am also straight.
2: I am also straight. Okay.
1: Okay, let's lunch.
2: So, yeah. It doesn't feel like queer stories are ours to tell. But in the end, Addison gave us some really wise advice.
0: My clients are asking me constantly, what should I be doing, what should I not be doing? And I, And my answer is, do whatever you feel like you can do best and we will sell that. As long as you believe in it, that's it. It's just gotta be the right thing. Um, rather than like trying to fit into what the film and TV industry is trying to do because they are a fickle, they are fickle, fickle crew.
4: So there's still life for the pandemic story. Yeah, the pandemic story. don't
0: do a pandemic story. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So where does that leave us? Well, we're making a movie with a female lead, possibly supernatural. We don't know. And the next round of pitches checked a lot of those boxes. Female leads, check. A girl gets left at the altar, decides to go on the honeymoon anyway, meets the love of her life. Supernatural.
1: Kinda. A uh, woman named Chloe. She moves to her kooky, eccentric mother's house, who lives on a golf island type situation. Love it. The island has this, like this, like Bigfoot creature.
2: We had tons of fragments of ideas. I want to be the writer who creates the rom com about UGIs. <laughs> uh,
4: about a marriage pact. A lot of my friends and I had these when I was going through college. Everyone
1: had, you know, I was like,
4: we're 40. If we're super old and we're 40 and gross, we have no one. We're going to get married. Uh,
1: This one is the only one that has a definite title. You ready? Mm -hmm. Bingo Banjo Baja.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But none of them really checked the most important box. What's the project that makes us the most excited? And that's how we landed on this pitch.
1: All right, so let's continue our quest towards the perfect idea.
2: That's our producer,
1: Dave. Um, I think Maddie has one. And it's Maddie's idea, um, and we love it. to that's hear it. Okay.
2: okay. We have this wonderful, funny lead, very likable, relatable young woman in her 30s, Catalina. Right. She's got her life together. She has like a cool job she likes that's meaningful to her. But her thing is that she's always dating, like, these loser guys like that's just she's always dated loser guys and then she starts turning around when she meets Greg who's this really funny hands classically handsome grocery store owner in Chicago and it's going great they're dating there's only one problem which is that his most recent ex is actress model and philanthropist Selma Hayek <laughs> She's in her mid-50s, these characters in their mid-30s, and Catalina is so insecure about this comparison to Selma Hayek and living up to that and if what their relationship means in the wake of Selma Hayek that she kind of self-sabotages and ruins it. And it's called His Ex-Girlfriend is Selma Hayek.
1: (laughs) That's really interesting.
2: Something about this concept just made our brains light up.
1: I like that one. I really like that one, actually.
2: It's just a few sentences, but it stirred up a lot of ideas.
1: It's like, and you keep finding out things like, you live with her? <laughs> like, yeah. It was, how recent did you break up with Selma Hayek? Yeah,
2: yeah. She can't get over you. Is she your, yeah.
1: You just have so Selma Hayek, the
2: boo, word boo, boo, boo. Selma Hayek
4: in yeah. your phone? Yeah. She's yeah. in town. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it works on a comedy level. It makes us laugh. I was also thinking maybe she's never had a boyfriend. You know, some people just don't have a boyfriend. And they get really freaked out by the exes because they don't have one. That's Or yeah, she has a really you, funny actually. Her ex is a huge loser.
4: Well, that's funny because like, that's a joke machine. If she's like, my ex. <laughs> if her ex is a huge like, loser. We can go get a coffee from my ex right yeah. now. Like, and then we can yeah. go watch your ex in a movie.
1: <laughs> and I want to play that guy. So or like,
4: bad. or he works at a movie theater. Like We could go <gasps> buy a ticket from my ex yeah. and go uh, watch a
1: movie so from her. Funny. And that could be also be the the quirky best friend is her loser yeah. ex, who so she they're, they're buds with, with now. But like, yeah. like I can't believe I ever dated that guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it also works on a human level; it's relatable.
4: Well, I remember when I first started dating. Um, maybe this isn't for the show, but I remember when I first started dating Anita. One of her like important ex boyfriends is in a really famous band, and that was like so hard for me <laughs> right? and like she was like i'm, go- I'm going to uh, snl tape because they're still really good friends yeah she's like friends with that whole band she's like i'm gonna go to snl and like watch them and i'll be backstage <laughs> and i was like i'm a comedian i'm like you should go to snl with me <laughs> like like oh. it was so hard and and you just have to be like i'm a person with value and that's fine
1: i love the title
4: my, it's it, a good title.
2: It's a
1: really good title.
2: I asked Malik if he thought it was a good idea. Malik's my boyfriend. And he said, yeah. And then he said, do you think I could date Selma Hayek? And I said, no, <laughs>
1: for research.
2: And then he said, no. Like, why don't you think I can date Selma Hayek? And I was like, you can't date Selma Hayek. You can't date her. You couldn't. And he goes, then you have, you're insecure. Why are you with me if you don't think I can get Selma Hayek? You should think you're better than Selma Hayek. And I'm like, well, I don't. How
1: about that? Newsflash.
2: How about that, dude? Well, I don't. We also think it works on a romantic level. Billy Murnett describes rom-coms like this. Here's the thing.
3: It replicates real life. Real life romance is there's an attraction, there's an affinity, but then there's always a point where that affinity needs to be tested.
2: Greg and Catalina are attracted to each other, but their attraction is put to the test. She finds out his ex-girlfriend is Selma Hayek. She's flooded with negative feelings. She reacts by sabotaging the relationship. The relationship is tested over and over.
1: It's so nice to have
4: everyone in the room. Yeah, I know. Why?
1: Hey. Are you guys
4: recording this? Yeah. yeah. Oh,
2: we were so excited about the idea, we decided to pitch it to a bunch of people to get some feedback. And there's just one problem. His most recent ex and most serious relationship of his life was actress, philanthropist, and model Selma Hayek. <laughs> <laughs> we pitched it a lot. Is actress, model, and philanthropist... Salma Hayek. Actor, philanthropist,
4: and millionaire Salma Hayek. That's right. (laughs) It's
0: a big problem.
2: Like,
4: a lot, a lot.
2: model philanthropist Salma Hayek. (laughs) We even told our executives at CBC. But I think think it's an original concept. After all, the more we repeat the pitch, the more we'll hear what other people think. And that will only make the idea stronger.
1: But he's like an L.A. person who would have known Salma Hayek somehow. Not L.A. How did he know Salma yeah.
2: Even if one of those people thinks her name is Salma Hayek,
1: is he like stop thinking about Salma Hayek? You know.
3: Like <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
1: <laughs> she's like,
4: who's Salma Hayek?
1: <laughs> so
4: that's her number one idea right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I like it. Yeah, I. I love it. Yeah.
0: So
2: that's the idea, and over the next seven episodes. We'll create characters, learn how they meet, fall in love, fall out of love, and decide if our protagonist can get over the fact that his ex-girlfriend is Selma Hayek. Let's Make a Rom-Com is a production of CBC Podcasts and Kelly and Kelly. Hosted by Maddie Kelly, Mark Chavez, and Ryan Beal, and created by Kelly and Kelly. This episode is written and produced by Dave Shimka, Chris Kelly, and Max Collins. Coordinating producer Lauren Berkovich, associate producer Rebecca Pang. For CBC, Jeff Turner is our senior producer. Executive producers are Cecil Fernandez and Chris Oak. And Rf Nurani is the director of CBC podcasts. Our theme song is by Chris Kelly and Colin Cowan. Special thanks to Addison Duffy, Billy Murnett, and Carolyn Habib. That was the first episode of Let's Make a Rom-Com. You can listen to more episodes on the CBC Listen app and wherever you get your
1: podcasts. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.